4: Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just eight ninety seven at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.
5: In winter's favorite town, Park City, Utah. Adventure is right outside your door. Every turn leads to excitement. And the scenery isn't the only thing that will take your breath away. Here, the memories never melt. Discover why Park City, Utah is winter's favorite town. Learn how to visit safely at visitparkcity.com. In winter's favorite town, Park City, Utah. Adventure is right outside your door. Every turn leads to excitement. And the scenery isn't the only thing that will take your breath away. Here, the memories never melt. Discover why Park City, Utah is winter's favorite town. Learn how to visit safely at
3: visitparkcity.com. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts, I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in.
6: This is Straight
7: Fire with Jason McIntyre.
8: What's up everybody? Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire. Wednesday. November 11th. Uh, You'd think it'd be a quiet midweek show, right? We got the NBA draft coming up next week. And we do have a great interview later in the podcast with Matt Babcock, uh, former, I guess we can call him a college, former college basketball player one game. Uh, He was an agent for a minute. Now he runs a college basketball NBA draft site uh, that's super interesting. And we got some uh, interesting back and forth, especially on LaMelo Ball. Neither of us love him, but we'll get to that shortly. Remember, Subscribe, rate, and review. And now let's quickly get to three, I think, are kind of big stories in sports. Um, I think number one is Big Ben is on the COVID list. Uh, The Steelers are undefeated. Ben Roethlisberger on the list, but he does not have COVID. It sounds like a Matthew Stafford situation. Ben was on the team flight back from Dallas, and I guess he sat next to or near Vance McDonald, who tested positive. Ben was close to him on the plane. So now Ben has to sit out for, I guess, four or five days. And I know the Steelers were undefeated and they have the Bengals this week. Divisional matchup. The line has come down. It was nine and a half. It's down to seven and a half. The Bengals are a cover machine this year. Six and two against the spread. Joey Burrow. Joey covers. Joey backdoor. And my brother lives in Pennsylvania and he, he's got, you know, all his friends out there Steelers fans or Eagles fans or Ravens fans close to Baltimore. And they're all speculating, oh, Ben's just taking a week off. He hurt his knee. You know, it's the Bengals. They'll win. I, listen, the Bengals are frisky. This is by no means a layup. Um, I do think the defense could shut down Burrow the way the Ravens defense did. But Bengals are off a bye. The offensive line's getting healthy. I don't think this is automatic for Pittsburgh. I think this is actually a dangerous spot. Um, remember, we just talked about it. Mike Tomlin against under 500 teams. On the road, it's really a recipe for disaster, as we saw with Dallas. But even at home, I'm going to pull the numbers uh, from our Fox Research team and get back to you on that. But it's just never automatic when you're playing a really inferior opponent. Now, this is in the division, and Tomlin owned Andy Dalton and uh, Marvin Lewis for the longest time. We'll see about Burrow and Zach Taylor. Um, But Big Ben getting COVID is a big story. They do not have the number one seed sewn up in the AFC. Chiefs are there. Ravens are not going away. They got the Ravens in a couple weeks. Thanksgiving week tilt. Um, so, And the Buffalo Bills are 7-2. We got to put some respect on their name. Uh, the second NFL story, Rob G's hot on this one. And I don't seem to understand why people are really worked up. Um, so, Roger Goodell announced that the NFL has a plan in place, whereas if Too many games are canceled late in the season. Instead of going with, as Peter King said on this podcast back in September, um, the ugly scenario where week 17 is wiped out, the number one seed gets a bye, uh, you're looking at two or maybe three weeks off of football if you're the number one seed. And that is insanity. We've seen teams, even with a week off, struggle and there's almost like an advantage to playing the week prior uh, in the NFL playoffs. And Goodell's new plan, which is going through, is that if too many games are canceled, they will go to an 18 playoff, thus removing um the bye and um, you know, an advantageous situation for somebody, whether it's the Steelers or Chiefs. So, you know, Rob G, I looked at this. I don't see anything really, really problematic with it. Um, y- you seem to think it's pretty bad.
2: Yeah, I don't like it at all I mean, for two reasons. Number one being, I think that this, the fact that they had to go this route shows that they were woefully unprepared for what the pandemic could bring. True. They, right. they had months and months to figure out a plan on what they were going to do and how they were going to handle it in the event something like this happened, which we all kind of agreed that, yes, there's going to be positive tests. So... How are they going to combat it? And rather than deciding before the season, hey, we're going to have a win percentage determined playoff situation in case we can't get all uh, 256 games in, we're going to possibly not only expand to seven teams, going to go to eight teams in the playoffs. It's all going to be in place already. Well, now you're halfway through the season. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Steelers are undefeated. The Chiefs are one game back, and they're both racing for that you know one bye week that you get in the playoffs. And now it's possible that it's not even going to happen to matter. So yeah. then why have we been killing ourselves to try to get this one seed when it's not any different than if we had the four seed? Because we're going to get one guaranteed one home playoff game. I don't like it. I think it was a, a failure to plan by the NFL. And, and that's number one. Number two, I just don't think you should mess with any season, regardless if it's COVID, regardless if it's the NFL, NBA, whatever, in the middle of the season. I think I that mean, that yeah. is a recipe for disaster.
8: I I largely agree with they were unprepared. But if you think back to like August, COVID was kind of not going away, but subsiding. And I guess they were maybe feeling themselves. Oh, we're going to be fine. We got this under control. Uh, No problems. Remember the first two weeks were like no issues at all. Um, But as every (laughs) epidemiologist (laughs) predicted, this was coming back with a vengeance. And sadly it has. Um, I guess my issue... Uh, and, and not to cape up for the Steelers, they could use a bye week. Remember, they got that early bye week in, I think it was October 4th, um, which was just three weeks into the season. And they will have then played straight through without a bye in a season where there was no preseason. Um, it's definitely It definitely would hurt the Steelers not to get that bye. All that being said, like I think Rob G, like we saw the NBA go to a bubble. We saw Major League Baseball say, you know what? We're going to have to play some games where there's seven innings and we're going to have to change the tie ball game rules. If it goes extra innings just to get the games in, we got to do whatever it takes to get to the playoffs. And the, and MLB went to a bubble. And I think actually Rob G MLB lucked out with this whole Justin Turner situation, uh, game six, middle of the game. They pull him for testing positive and who knows how many players would not have passed a COVID test the next day. If the Dodgers hadn't won
1: I just think it's one of those seasons where...
0: terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.
4: The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with Colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just eight ninety seven for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at Home Depot.com or directly in store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See Home slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.
8: I'm not going to complain for us getting more good football games. Uh, It would be great if my Jets were in the playoff mix. They are most certainly not. But, uh, you know, listen, this, I don't want to say it gives a shot into the arm of bad teams like the Vikings and the Lions. But all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute. Denver Broncos are like, guys, this ain't over. We got a million injuries. New England Patriots. You know, Belichick can rally the guys. Listen, this is not over. You just got to get to the playoffs. They just added another team. So, I mean, yes, it is kind of squirrely to do it in the middle of the season. But at the same time, you know, we went like four months with zero sports at all. Um, I'm just happy that we're getting sports. Uh, We saw college football, Rob G. College football this weekend, three SEC games wiped out, including, was it LSU-Bama? Correct. Yeah, LSU Bama, which was supposed to lead into the Masters on Saturday, is just now off the table. It's just not happening. I, I, I guess CBS is not going to have an SEC game of the week. It's, it's just, it's, it's COVID. I, I, I can't hate it. Um, I don't know. Any, any final thoughts? Like, this is just a contingency plan, it's not automatic that it's happening, right?
2: Right, and that's fine. And they, but, but like I said before, they could have had this contingency plan in place before the season. Right.
8: Yeah. You yeah, don't
2: implement true. it in the middle of a season when these guys are already halfway through trying to fight for that one bye week that they could have gotten. That's not fair.
5: In winter's favorite town, Park City, Utah, adventure is right outside your door. Every turn leads to excitement. Woo! And the scenery isn't the only thing that will take your breath away. Here, the memories never melt. Discover why Park City, Utah is Winter's favorite town. Learn how to visit safely at visitparkcity.com. In Winter's favorite town, Park City, Utah, adventure is right outside your door. Every turn leads to excitement. And the scenery isn't the only thing that will take your breath away. Here, the memories never melt. (laughs) Discover why Park City, Utah is winter's favorite town. Learn how to visit safely at visitparkcity.com.
7: And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go. Almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double-arm kid carry. Looks like Dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Don't sweat the small stuff.
2: Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. All right, so uh,
8: before we get to the interview with Matt Babcock, uh, quickly on this, we haven't done really an NBA story in a while. This is interesting. So I talked to somebody who was, uh, let's just say, Who knows Chris Paul a little bit? And there's a lot of speculation that Chris Paul is going to be on the move. That's no big secret. Um, Oklahoma City had the third highest payroll in the league. Um, They they need to shed salary. Like, Steven Adams may be gone. Chris Paul probably going to be gone. Um, And the speculation is the New York Knicks have cap room. Chris Paul has two more years left. Well, one and a player option that he's obviously going to pick up. So, if you're the Knicks and you're going nowhere... And assuming you can have fans in the stadium, yeah, you want to go out and get Chris Paul. Why not? Uh, what's, the, what's the harm? It's only two years. He's probably going to help your young guys, R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, whoever they take in the first round. Um, not the worst plan in the world. So I had heard this and floated something on social media. Within two hours, the Phoenix Suns have heavy interest in Chris Paul and are talking trade with OKC. And I, I guess the weird part is, Did this get floated by OKC to drive up the Knicks price? Or are the Phoenix Suns seriously going to trade for Chris Paul? Now, what I do love about this is, and Rob G, you'll admit this, we never hear interesting trade stuff before it happens. It's almost like the reporters are
1: not allowed to report stuff they hear.
4: you
8: And you're like, whoa, what a big story. Well, not really. I like to hear stuff before it happens. I like to hear the lead up. And this Chris Paul thing's interesting. The side note on CP3, and you guys know I've never been a huge fan. He played 70 games last year, the most he's played since 2016. He's had major injury issues. Um, It was a bubble season. He had like, what, three months off? So, yeah, he played a lot of games, he was healthy. This idea that the guy who's hurt every single year is going to somehow be healthy next year is insanity, okay? He's just, he's not. He's, dad, he's 35 years old. He's not going to be able to stay healthy. Um, I mean, I can understand why, hey, there's only 72 games. If we ask Chris Paul to play 60, can he, can he make it? Maybe, but how condensed is the 72 game schedule going to be? I don't know. I, I, I just, are we going to see a lot of back to backs? Is Chris Paul going to sit out all back to backs? I mean, are there going to be some three games in four nights? We know the NBA is looking to get off that. But with only 72 games, I, anything could happen. I don't know. Um, Rob G., you're a huge Chris Paul fan. Any thoughts on him with the Knicks or Suns?
2: You mean former Laker Chris yeah. Paul. That's how you should address him from now on. No, I think um, I don't. I wouldn't really like the move for either team, and here's why. I think, just like you said, you can't really count him to be healthy, I think if anybody trades for Chris Paul or if he gets bought out or whatever the situation is with him, wherever he goes can't count on him to be the reason why they get to the playoffs or why they develop whatever it is. You're getting him because you think that when you get to the playoffs, he's going to be a guy who puts you over the top. Right. Because I don't think that you're going to be able to count on his body to hold up. Mm Uh, as much as it did last year. And, you know, now that he's a, a vegan, I believe... Is that he real? Thinks he, yes. <laughs> oh, he thinks that he's going to be able to uh, defeat Father Time, but so far, the only guy's doing that is LeBron James.
8: Shout out to all the vegans. I am not a vegan, by the way.
2: Are you Rob G? Ne- neither am I. I had steak on uh, Monday <laughs> and I had salmon on Tuesday. I usually have
8: steak two days a week at least. Um, hopefully the arteries are Well, you're calm. rich,
2: though. so it's I'm rich. not
8: rich! What are we talking about? Man? Yeah, so, OKC... Okay, I mean, Instagram
2: see, says otherwise.
8: Insta- uh, Instagram, whatever. Uh, OKC, okay, 5th in the West last year, but at some point they were third, right? They're only two games behind um, the third seed. Uh, You know, we got the draft coming up next week. Free agency starts two days after the draft. So next week's going to be chaotic. I'm, I'm pondering, before we get last thing before the interview, I'm pondering some Masters talk tomorrow. Tiger going into it has been awful since the golf restart, so not a lot to get excited about, but... Rob G, what's your interest level in Bryson Duchambeau? Zero. Zero? Zero. Somebody told me his nickname is Ducham Swole because (laughs) what he did during the pandemic was he just, like, lifted weights and got totally jacked, and now he's just Mr. Grip It and Rip It, and because he's so dominant off the tee, he's become, like, really good, and He's like the favorite to win the Masters. He's never had a top ten finisher. I don't know. I was moderately interested in that, but I'll gauge your interest and we'll uh, we'll play it by ear um, for Thursday's show. But um, you like that Dusham Swole, huh? Yeah,
2: yeah. I cool. feel like yeah. that. You wish that that nickname was yours. Stop but it's okay.
8: it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Matt Babcock from Babcock Hoops on the twenty twenty NBA Draft. Great stuff. Enjoy the interview.
2: You
7: know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy
6: who knows another guy.
8: All right, let's welcome into the podcast a guy who does a lot of NBA draft stuff. He started his own media company, Matt Babcock. He played college basketball. It's a great story. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast before they were Florida Gulf Coast and then at the University of Arizona. But uh, Matt, let's welcome you in. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Uh, You know, this is uh, one week to the NBA draft. I don't really know what to make of this process. I mean, it's been, you know, I guess the longest draft process ever because the draft has been pushed back five months. Um, How has it been for you getting ready for it?
9: You know, it's been different. I mean, it's been, it's been busy, but in, in a lot of different ways. I mean, usually it's, you know, a lot of traveling, uh, you know, usually go to the combine, go to, you know, pro days. Uh, we started traveling a little bit this last month, but it was a lot of, uh, you know, watching a ton of film, probably watching too much film uh, and just, uh, you know, wor- working the phones and gathering intel. and I've talked to a number of NBA teams at this point, everybody's like, you know, we know every single thing about, <laughs> about all these kids, but we, you know, we know too much about them. And <laughs> yeah. it, uh, it's, it's been, it's been interesting to say the least.
8: It's kind of analysis by paralysis. Uh, but I want to start with your background because, uh, you know, I know you through a common friend, uh, Noah Kozlov, and he's been hyping you for a long time. And I started reading about you and I just, you know, I'm a basketball nerd and I started to read about you and I was like, this is awesome. Uh, you know, basically living the dream, right? You played in high school, a lot of success. And, you know, t- tell us how the, the high school career kind of ended with the scholarships and and, and how that decision panned out.
9: Yeah, I mean, even even before that, I think an important part of my story is, you know, I was born into a basketball family. My my dad, my two uncles have all worked in the NBA for a long time, and uh, my my oldest uncle started in the late '70s. So I mean, we've you know we've we've been we've been in basketball forever, and it's all I've really known. And so I uh, you know I grew up with uh, you know high ambitions of being being a great player, uh, you know, and ultimately wanted to be a general manager. And uh, it was a decent high school player, got recruited. Um, you know, it b- bounced around a little bit transfer for various reasons and decided I actually didn't go to the Gulf coast, the, the division one schools It was a junior college in Florida. Okay. Uh, and the, the thought process there was, even though I had some division one offers, uh, you know, I, I probably thought I was better than I actually was. And I wanted, I wanted higher level offers. And so, uh, back then, you know, prep schools weren't quite what they are now. There's a mm-hmm. couple of them, uh, but I was assigned between going to the maine central, uh, institute. We're going to Gulf Coast Community College in Panama City, Florida, and yeah, I decided to go go to the beach instead of the, the isolated <laughs> spot in in Maine. So uh, did that. and I, I got hurt. I missed my entire freshman year and got a medical red shirt, and uh, went back to my sophomore. Year, hurt my knee again, uh, and so my uh, you know I told my dad, I said, hey, you know would 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 uh, walking on a big school, you know, would that kind of open up some some opportunities of, of going to uh, you know some so one of these you know high level you know programs where i kind of you know network and learn how the big big programs work and kind of lead me into a plane or a, a working career you know post plane and uh it was wild everybody kind of started calling and you know offering uh you know scholarship after the first year and wow. uh long story short i grew up in arizona and Lou Olson and his staff uh welcomed me to the program and i jumped at it and uh, it was it was a great experience going to uva i met my wife there and uh you know i'm part of the the wildcat family which is just it's just awesome
8: yeah, I was I was seeing that Arizona team that you were working out with. I mean, <laughs> how many pros were on that roster? Goodness
9: gracious. Oh, yeah, we had a bunch. I mean, Slim Starmar is one of the best college players I've ever seen or been around. I mean, he he was unbelievable. He was my workout partner and uh, we had Chaney Fry, you know, who went on to play in the NBA for what 12, 13 yeah. years or something like that. Uh, Hassan Adams playing in the NBA for a little bit, Mustafa Shakur and um, oh, yeah, it was just awesome and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly still a very loyal Wildcat.
8: Yeah. Pretty pretty awesome story. So once you get out of college and you want to still get around the NBA, uh, you know, I looked at your LinkedIn and you—I mean—you've done everything, man. Uh, you were a player agent. You were an assistant coach, I believe, in Italy.
9: Yeah. So the plan was—you know—I was, uh, you know, was gonna—I was gonna start my you know, my professional career as a, as a coach. Uh, you know, my dad was a college coach for 15 years before he got into the NBA, and so I wanted to get you know, kind of get my feet wet coaching, and then probably eventually get into the front office scouting. Uh, realm. So, I, my first job uh, was with a sports agency, uh, Wasserman Media Group. My mm-hmm. uh, my uncle had worked uh, with Arn Hellem. Uh, Arn Hellem had been uh, Donald Sterling, Sterling's uh, legal counsel when they were the San Diego Clippers back in the early '80s. And my uncle was an assistant coach and eventually been uh, became their director of player personnel. Essentially, served as like their their general manager. Uh, so we went way back with Arn. And so my job there. Um, you know, was not, you know, the plan was not to be an agent. It, you know, I was doing most of my stuff on the floor training their their uh, pre-draft uh, rookies. And so from there, I took a job in Italy as an assistant coach. Uh, and, you know, it was a little homesick. And I mean, I loved it in Italy, but uh, kind of got turned off by coaching. Uh, and I got an opportunity to, to be sort of a junior agent with Excel Sports Management, which at mm-hmm. the time, uh, they were based in LA. Uh, they're now in New York. But uh, yeah, long story short, I, I took the job with Excel Sports Management and bounced around from agency to agency and, Um, and ended up becoming my own agent and having my own agency and did that for 10 years and, um, got sick of it. It's just, you know, it's (laughs) funny, it's only the last, last few years since this FBI investigations come out and, um, you know, all, all these things are kind of coming to light and it's all stuff that I kind of been, you know, bitching and moaning about to my Mm -hmm. wife and my friends. And, um, you know, it made it a little easier for everybody to accept me, me getting out
8: so you start your own media shop and i
9: like it babcock hoops
8: and uh you know you got a lot of uh people breaking down stuff on there so let's get to the 2020 draft um i don't like to look ahead too much but it seems like the 2021 draft is considerably better than 2020 it, this one i don't know how would you describe this this draft like unappealing uh okay it, it just doesn't pop as like Man, I think there's a franchise player for sure in this draft.
9: You know, there's five, six guys at the top that that I really like, uh, but there's so much parity, and I, I just think it's kind of throwing everybody a loop a little bit, right? You know, everybody's used to sort of gravitating towards like one or two guys of like you know these are going to be the saviors of a franchise. I don't think we have that this year, and so it's kind of created a lot of uh, you know negative commentary. Uh, I think it's a pretty good draft. It's just not not oh. superstar heavy a couple guys that I think that they've got the upside to be stars. Uh, but I do like the depth. I mean, I think, uh, I think there's going to be some guys going in the mid and late second round that that could crack, you know, crack some rotations and maybe even some undrafted guys that, that stick around a little bit. So, you yeah, know, not the, not the typical draft, uh, but I'm not overly negative on it.
8: Yeah. I like the positive outlook. I won't be too <laughs> negative, but let's start with LaMelo ball. Um, I think he's probably the consensus, most talented player in the draft, but that doesn't really mean anything. Right. I mean, this guy's never played in any structure. You know, He I, I, defense, I don't want to say he's allergic to it, but, like, I, I've never really seen it. Um, I don't know. I'm not negative on him. Obviously, he's going to be a top-five pick. But, Matt, you know, if, if you're a fan of the Timberwolves, are you geeked about the potential to draft LaMelo Ball?
9: Uh, no, I, I mean, I, <laughs> let, let me explain. I mean, LaMelo's got talent. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's, he's you know, six seven point guard and you know, he's got a he's got a knack to make spectacular plays. And um, I actually think Anthony Edwards has got the most upside in the draft. Um, and, and with LaMelo, um, you know, even with that talent, there are concerns. Uh, you know, obviously the, the ball family. I mean, there's been so much so much negativity surrounding them and drama. And, you know, there's probably so many different things we can say about that. Right. But, um, you know, in the kid, if you're scouting him. You know, he doesn't apply himself on the defensive end, takes a bunch of bad shots. Yep. Uh, you know, he hasn't done very well in these interviews, supposedly. And uh, but there's, there's just a lot of negativity attached with him. And so, I mean, I think there's a good chance he could slip a little bit.
8: What do you mean by a little bit? You think he's fallen out of the top five?
9: Well, I don't expect him to go number one. Um, right. I, I believe that he is in consideration for Golden State. I, I don't think. Wow. When it's all shot. said and done, if I were, if I were to bet on it, I don't think he's going number two. No. Uh, and if he doesn't go number two, I I think the you know the next pick would for him would be four uh, with Chicago. Mm. I think Chicago is going to pass on him, um, and he just he's fallen into a you know sort of like a slippery slope there where t- where he doesn't yeah. fit the teams. So if he doesn't go to Golden State, and there's not crazy shakeup trades, which there might be, um, I think he goes to Detroit at seven. Huh?
8: That would be a fall. Now I guess my issue with. Drafting him, if you're Cleveland, right, your culture stinks. It's been terrible forever. The rosters, who knows what that is. And, you know, I hate to dog Michael Jordan, but similar in Charlotte. Like, I don't want to say he's going to fail if he goes to one of those two places. But it's going to be tough for him, right? Uh, this is a guy who's going to come in everywhere he's gone. He's been the guy. And now he's going to be dealing with a bunch of guys who don't think he's the guy. and They're going to be coming at him. We saw that with Lonzo in L.A., right? He never totally fit. I don't know if he's fitting with the Pelicans right now. Um do you think there is lonzo uh like the stench of lonzo kind of attached to him at all lamello
9: uh, no, I actually I don't. I mean, obviously it obviously hasn't worked out that well with Lonzo so far. Yeah. I mean, the Anthony Davis thing, you know, is, is pretty unique. I mean, the Lakers had an opportunity to get one of the best players in the league. So, I mean, you can't judge him on, on that too much. Uh, but it does seem like things have gone stale in New Orleans in a short amount of time for, for whatever reason. Uh, but, you know, Lonzo's reputation is better than Lamelo's. I mean, Lamelo, uh, you talk people, you know, behind closed doors. I mean, entitlement comes up a lot, you know, yeah. and uh, uh, that's, that's a problem because, I mean, he's a good player. Uh, I, I don't think he's quite there yet. And um, you know, I talked to a friend of mine that's a, a media member and he was on the big media call uh, with, with Lamelo recently and somebody asked him about his shooting mechanics and, you know, are you looking to change it? And uh, this kid shot 28% from three this year. And <laughs> stresses the entire, you know, media uh, saying, I, I don't need to change my shot. I, I could shoot it fine. And it's just that kind of, you know, kind of gives an example of it's kinda, this kid's kind of entitled, thinks everything should be handed to him. And I, I don't think he's quite there yet. I think he's got upside. That's only one part of the equation here. And so, I mean, if he were to say he were to go to Golden State, who obviously has a very well-established yes. backcourt with Steph Curry and Clay, uh, and then you got Draymond Green, who's uh you know a very vocal leader. You know, if this kid's you know pulling his crap and taking bad shots and not playing defense, I don't know how that's gonna work.
8: Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's a tough fit for him anywhere. Let's go to Anthony Edwards, the guy you like the most. I heard Tom Crean compare him to Dwayne Wade, which I thought was a little bit much. Now, Crean coach Wade. At Marquette, um, I think Edwards physically looks the part, but yeah, there's just something about. I heard somebody compare him to Dion Waiters in that we don't see the dog all the time. Like he's not, he doesn't have the dog mentality that Wade did, did he? Like under recruited, uh, I, I, you know, I'm nobody respects me. I'm gonna kill everybody. That's what Wade kind of he came from nowhere. Uh, Anthony Edwards has kind of been touted for a while, right?
9: Oh yeah, not for sure. And I mean, yeah. I think he's a product of, you know, grassroots basketball right now. I mean, the, the, a lot of these games is they roll the ball out there and, you know, there's all these cameras around and, and these guys play for their, their highlight video. Right. And uh, and so, you know, I think Anthony is very young. I mean, comparing him to Dwayne, I could see where it's coming from. I mean, the physical tools, uh, just raw talent. I mean, this kid's a, a big time, big time talent. He just hasn't learned how to play yet. He seems a little, a little bit immature. Uh, you know, bad, you know, shot selection is is absolutely garbage. And you know, sim- similar issues as Lamelo. like doesn't play defense. It doesn't play the right way. Um, you know, if, if he played like Dwayne did, where he really utilized his physical tools and got to the hole and got to the line, I think he'd be a lot more effective. He, he really depends on, um, you know, creating his own shot, but taking bad shots like contested threes. And he's capable of hitting tough shots. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I wouldn't want him to depend on that completely. And, and, you know, up to this point, he hasn't proven that he's willing to do anything else.
8: Yeah. Um, so you think he goes one to Minnesota, huh?
9: Well, I know Minnesota's trying to trade the pick. Uh, yeah. I think it's, I think it's easier said than done. Cause I mean, with the parody here, you know, I, I don't think teams probably want the pressure of having the number one pick. I mean, yeah. right or wrong, uh, the media, the fan base, um, you know, the players inner circle. I mean, th- there's a lot of pressure with being a number one pick and uh, I don't know if you want that and, and it's more, more expensive contract. You know, so if you get a you know, comparable player without the pressure and a little cheaper, you know, why, why trade up? And so, uh, you know, they, they, may, they may trade it. I know Charlotte wants number one to get Wiseman, so that's a possibility. Mm. Uh, but it, I wouldn't be surprised if they stayed put and just said, hey, you know what, there, there's so much doubt here. Yeah. Let's just go with the highest upside guy, which I, I think is Anthony Edwards.
8: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think Minnesota had picked up a kid from Denver via trade, and the kid got like a DUI. Uh, Beasley? I yeah believe- so it's
9: yeah so it's malik beasley so they, they yeah. trade trade him at the trade deadline gave up a first round pick and I he know. really did well you I know mean, in 14 games averaged over 20 points a game he's just a, he's a big time talent uh but he did get in trouble it, it was a deal it wasn't a dui so what it was is uh, he uh he pulled a gun on his neighbor and it was oh geez was sometimes that's even worse I don't, I don't know I mean I've heard I've heard mixed reviews I mean I've read the reports and it, it just does not sound good at all uh I, I've heard it might not be quite as bad as it's, it's being portrayed in the media uh, I, I sure hope not uh right. I mean he's, he's a really talented kid and I've actually heard he's a good guy uh I, I don't know him personally but um, you know, and that's like, early on when the, the lottery first got set. Mm-hmm. Uh, I question if Edwards was the guy because I I do, I do value Beasley quite a bit, and they're yeah. they're, they're somewhat similar. Uh, obviously, with him, you know, getting in trouble, you know, probably makes it a little bit easier to justify taking a guy to his position. He's yeah. going to be a restricted free agent, but uh, you know, Minnesota's in a tough spot. It's not it's not just a, an easy decision like it is in most years.
8: And remember, uh, this is a team that loves. Uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell who needs shots and Carl Anthony Towns who needs shots. And now you're bringing in a guy who really thrives on scoring. That's like his thing. I I don't think it's a great fit, but I'm with you. I don't think there is a great one. Now let's get to the guy you mentioned, Wiseman. Um, I'm just not a huge fan. I don't know. Uh, You know, Michael Jordan's history of big guys, (laughs) not very good dating back to Kwame Brown, but uh, I don't know. Where are you on James Wiseman?
9: You know, I really like him, and, uh, mm. and I think you know. And I've watched him since high school. I, mean, I saw him in his pro day. You know, obviously his sample size in college was yeah. about as small as it gets. I mean, it's three games, right? Uh, but this kid is, you know, his, his physical profile is so impressive. I mean, he's seven foot one, seven foot six wingspan. I think he's going to fill out to be a really, you know, uh, impressive, strong, you know, big guy. But he can really move. He's fluid. He's athletic. Uh, sort of in the David Robinson mold from that standpoint. Ooh. And uh, you know, and, and everybody talks about hey, the big man's dead. And, you know, with him, it's kind of one of these things where, okay, the big man is not dead. It, the game has changed, though, so you need to kind of evaluate them differently. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about high pick and roll. You know, can the guy, you know, get out there and move his feet and recover and you know, not be limited to, you know, play a drop defense where uh, – you know, where, where it really makes your team, you know, vulnerable. Uh, James Wiseman can cover a lot of ground and move his feet and uh, he's versatile. So I, I do really like him and, and, you know, doing my homework on him. He seems like a great kid, uh, really bright. I mean, he was a 4.0 student. He speaks uh, fluent Mandarin. Uh, and so, I mean, obviously those aren't necessarily prerequisites to be a good basketball player, uh, but being a big guy, I think in it with his talent, I think he could step in and, and you know, kind of pick up some more of the sophisticated, you know, schemes of the NBA and, uh, I really like him. I mean, is he a surefire fire star? No, but, I mean, I think he's got a chance, and I think at the very least he's going to be a you know good starting center.
8: Interesting. So where are you on centers overall? Uh, you know, I, I had texted you that in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals there was Jokic, Anthony Davis, and Bam kind of are centers back or was this just a weird year because the league had kind of pivoted to the wing and, we you know, guards dominate. Um, I don't, we're in the three-point era I, Wiseman not really a three point shooter. Could he be in three years? I I don't know. Um, do you think there's really a, you know a clamoring for Wiseman that high in the draft for anyone outside of Charlotte?
9: Yeah, no, I I think I think it's hmm. uh, I mean to me in, in talking with people. Uh, it seems like Anthony Edwards and Wiseman are the clear-cut, you know, two top guys. I mean, I think Lamelo's got a chance of, of being there too with Golden State, as I mentioned. Uh, but I think top to bottom with the league, I think most people would say Edwards and Wiseman are, are probably the most likely top top picks. Um, you know, and as far as the big men goes, I mean, yeah, you go down the roster. I mean, there, there's big guys in you know, just about every team. Obviously, Houston played, played this extreme yeah. small ball. But, you know, that's not the whole league. I mean, we look at some of these star players like Gobert and Embiid and Jokic. And, uh, I mean, Milwaukee played Brook Lopez, who's not a star, but, I mean, a big guy. Yeah. The Lakers just won the championship with a, with a huge lineup. And so, you know, the game has changed. It's much more spread out. I don't think all five guys need to be able to shoot threes. I think you, you can afford to have one guy that can float and be more of a rim runner. Uh, Wiseman is more skilled than people realize. I, I do think he's got the ability uh, to be able to stretch it a little bit, and long term could could end up being a guy that could stretch it well. Um, you know, Kungu is another guy that's uh, you know he's under size five, uh, but similar to what I was saying about Wiseman, he's a great athlete, kind of like a, uh, Bam at bio from a physical standpoint yeah. of hey, he's a big physical force, but he could really move his feet and um, you know make, makes you know makes it that you know a guy that could utilize old school big man traits. Uh, but not not be vulnerable in today's game I, I think um, you know in addition to that you know what what is uh, you know sort of a dying breed is, is a big bodied slow you know big yeah uh, so, <laughs> yeah Yeah. so I mean you know guys like that just don't fit the game as well I mean think of like a like a Greg Ostertag right who started oh. in the NBA for a while like <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if a guy like that would fit fit as well as, as he did back in the 90s uh, but a Wiseman, a Kung Wu those, those guys fit
8: yeah. Um, all right. So I believe it was three or four years ago that Draymond Green was all the rage. We need to have a Draymond, a guy who can play the four or five, make some threes, defend multiple positions, like you mentioned on the pick and roll. And then kind of Fred Van Vliet. We need to find a Van Vliet um, after his great run in the finals. And I think this year, when I start talking to people, they're like, man, hey, Duncan Robinson.
3: <laughs> you know, this
8: guy came out of absolutely nowhere, had a couple really nice games in the finals and Tyler Hero. I mean, if you redraft... How does Tyler Hero fall out of the top three? Is there a guy in this draft that kind of reminds you of a Duncan Robinson, a Tyler Hero, somebody uh, who could pop in the next year or two?
9: Well, I mean, I think I look at those guys, like what's really made it work. I think they got into the good programs that believed mm. in them and gave them good opportunities, developed them properly. Uh, you know, but the biggest thing is that those guys can really shoot the ball. And, and the game's really gone gone to you know, stretching it, and the, the three's never been more valuable. Uh, and so, I mean, the the, the you know the one guy that really stands out in this draft that, that could fit that mold is uh, Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. He's just an exceptional shooter. I mean, I think he averaged 23 points a game. Uh, shot 52% from three. He did get hurt, so I think he only played you know 15, 16 games or something like that. Uh, but I mean, he's a guy that uh, you know could step in and probably make a splash as a shooter. Uh, Sadiq Bay from Villanova is another guy like mm-hmm. that, and then uh, uh, Desmond Bain, who's an older player from TCU, terrific shooter. Uh, so I mean, you know, shooting uh, is coming at a premium, and you know, guys like that could thrive.
8: Let me ask you about the older players. Uh, Grant Riller is a little older, but we've seen these. Mature kids ready to come in and contribute late first round, second round to contenders because there's not that steep learning curve you have like with a 20-year-old. Do you almost think they're undervalued now, a guy like Cassius Winston or Peyton Pritchard?
9: Yeah, I mean, I think you know when we're evaluating guys, the way I look at it is, okay, the, the younger the guy is, and if you're looking at upside, you know, the more risk there is because you're not, you're, you're so far from being a finished product, you're not sure if the guy's going to get there or not. It, sometimes it is worth worth taking the swing, whereas if you've got a guy that's a little bit older, naturally he's closer to being, you know, more of a finished product. Uh, so maybe you're sacrificing some of the upside, uh, but you know what you're getting. Uh, the, the one guy that comes to mind actually fits uh, fits the category you asked about with Fred Van VanVleet uh Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. Mm. He's uh, had somewhat of an unorthodox path to to come to this point where I think he's probably going to be a first round pick. Uh, initially went to Washington State, which uh, he, he was under recruited. Washington State ended up coming coming to get him last minute. Uh, I think he had like low D ones before that and uh, transferred after two years. Uh, sat out a year at San Diego State, and then this year he came out. He came out slinging, and they they only lost two games the entire year, and it was you know a big reason it was him. And I think he's a guy. Uh, that's going to step in. I think ultimately he's going to be a starter in the NBA. I, I've gotten to know him a little bit. Wow. I visited him uh, in Vegas a few weeks ago and just an impressive kid, really tough. I mean, he's on the smaller side, similar to Van Vliet. He's only 6'1", uh, but he's got a defensive player a year in the Mountain West. I mean, yeah. this kid's tough as nails. And then one thing it, that's really interesting about him is he, uh, he's a student of the game. He's a gym rat. Uh, and he told me, you know, he spent, and his assistant coach told me this as well. He spent a lot of time watching film. Watches film of all of his games, but also watches film of every single one of his practices. And I just thought that was very, very <laughs> impressive. You know, for a kid that's a you know 20, 21 years old or, or however old he is, and um, I, I think he's ready to step in and be a pro's pro and, and do well.
8: I had him going twenty-three to Utah um, in my draft. In my mock draft, is that is that too low? Do I need to raise, uh, bump him up a little bit? Is he late lottery guy?
9: Uh, you know, I. <laughs> i fear that he's going to be a guy you know in a few years we're gonna look back that he should have been mm. um i think teams are afraid to put him there i i you know i have him at 20 uh which is you know i think 20 in okay. you know, the 20s i mean utah is definitely an option i yeah you know, that, that that would that would be a you know real possibility in my mind uh, but i think i'm going 20 to, to miami at, at this point
8: uh i'm just curious where are you on rj hampton uh he played for the new zealand breakers and i um I'm like a minority owner of that team. So I got to see a lot of him and watched a lot of him. And I'm just curious w- what your thoughts are on him. Cause this guy went into uh, leaving high school. He was projected as like a lottery top 10 guy. Um, where do you have him currently?
9: Well, first of all, I should be asking you for some Intel, right? <laughs> 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 no, I'm just kidding. But uh, you know, I've watched RJ a bunch. Uh, you know, the team came out, came to the United States and played some uh, preseason games against NBA teams. So I, I saw him twice uh, during that time. And, um i mean just a super high upside kid and uh yeah. sort of what i mentioned before you know he's young he's got upside uh, he's got the tools i mean he needs to get stronger he needs to you know you know prove that he could hit shots at a, at a good rate uh, but he's got all the tools he's got to put together you know and so i think there is a certain you know a significant amount of, of risk with him uh but if it clicks i mean he could end up being one of the better players in the draft and so i right now i've got him you know, i think he's you know be like a late lottery mid first type type guy
8: yeah uh, that, that sounds about right. I had him a little lower than that, but uh, no big deal. Finally, Cole Anthony. I, I, I love this kid coming out of high school. I, you know, you just watch him. You see the highlights, and you're like, man, this guy can play. And then he goes to North Carolina, and he didn't pop the way some of these other point guards did. I'm just curious. I, somebody had mentioned to me that he was an older player in high school. I think he was 19 almost. He was like one of the oldest kids, and the maturity helped him dominate, and then he gets to college and he didn't have that edge anymore. Uh,
9: where are you on Cole Anthony? You know, I first thing is uh, I'm really looking forward to get through this draft. And, and, and a big part of that is you know, I can stop talking about Cole Anthony. Oh, really? People <laughs> I, ask I, you I get, about him a lot, huh? Oh, I get asked. You know, he's so polarizing. You know, he, he came out of high school and he's so, you know, he's so talented. I mean, he's a, he's a very aggressive, assertive scorer. I mean, he's like the ultimate alpha dog. He goes to Carolina. You know, granted, he did get hurt pretty early on. Their team yep. struggled. Uh, didn't have as much talent as UNC usually does. Uh, the, the, you know, the, I think the biggest thing with him, though, is that the intel is, has really hurt him. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, talking to people that have kind of crossed paths with him for the last five years or, or whatever. And, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming about him being selfish, um, you know, not a great team guy, stuff like that. And it just, you know, th- there's a lot of people that I've talked to throughout the league just kind of said, hey, he's not our kind of guy. I, I don't think we would take him. And it's yeah. not talking about draft range or whatever. It's, uh, it's just, you know, not not their style.
8: Yeah, I uh, I do wonder. I mean, his, you know, his dad, Greg Anthony, right, and um, kind of grew up pretty. You know, he lived the good life, right, in New York City for a lot of that. And I I wonder if that had a major impact. I have him at Orlando at fifteen, but based on what you're saying, it doesn't think you don't think he's going that high, huh?
9: You know, he could. I mean, it, what's funny about the draft? Uh, you know, it takes one team to kind of yeah. solidify the guy's market value, right? And so, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I worked as an agent for 10 years before I started doing this, and you know, I dealt with that. And, and sometimes it was uh, it was a good thing for me. Other times it was a bad thing, you know, because it's just you know, guys' ranges can be a lot wider uh, than it seems uh, at times. And uh, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if Cole, you know, went went late lottery, mid first. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if he was the guy that slipped to the second round. And everybody shocked draft night. Wow. I, I could see yeah. it going either way. Um, And then he becomes a steal. All right, I'll get you out of here on this one, Matt.
8: Um, Lakers, we have a large uh, audience of the podcast in LA. Obviously, they're clamoring for Lakers news. Uh, I'll preface this by saying we know LeBron doesn't like rookies. Uh, (laughs) But uh, any thoughts on what the Lakers could do at 28, assuming they keep
9: the pick? You know, once you get to the late first, I mean, a lot of it is just to out who's there. You know, because it's, yep. it's, hard, it's hard to predict exactly. Uh, you know, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I do expect them to, to draft somebody that can contribute. Uh, and, and with L.A., I mean, with LeBron, he's so versatile. He essentially can play every position on the floor. Uh, gives, you know, gives the team a lot of flexibility who they put around him. Uh, obviously, outside shooting, I think, is important. Uh, And for a team that's trying to be so competitive, you need a guy that can defend. I mean, if the guy can't defend, he's probably not going to be on the floor for very long. And so, um, you know, I don't have specific names for you, but, uh, you know, I would expect somebody that Mm. they they think could crack their rotation and give them some depth.
8: I think they got Kuzma, what, 27, somewhere in that range, 27, 28, 29. Um, but, again, that was a different team. That wasn't a team coming off a championship, you know? Right. So I, it, it almost feels like it's a tough spot for them um, to keep the pick because, you know, LeBron's going to want to say, hey. <laughs> well, I, I, sh- I should stop saying LeBron because they do have a GM. But uh, oh, you know, they, they package the pick. <laughs> they package <laughs> sure a pick sure. with, I don't know, Kuzma, uh, Danny Green. Uh, maybe they get something. But, uh, all right, Matt, well, uh, I'll get you. Uh, any other final thoughts you have on the draft. And, um, you know, without looking too far ahead to 2021, uh, I don't even know if you've looked at the players in depth yet there.
9: Um, oh, yeah, no, I have. I, I mean, actually, I just I just got back from Phoenix. I went to uh, Pangos All-American tournament for all guys that will be 2022 draft picks. Uh, mm. Yeah, so, yeah, we, we get ahead of things. Yeah, next year's draft, there's a lot to be excited about. There's a good handful, you know, five to ten guys that could end up being stars. And uh, the following year, I mean, I just watched uh, Chet Holmgren from Minneapolis, uh, uh, Jabari Smith from Georgia, uh, Paulo Panjero is going to Duke. I mean, these kids are, are two years away. We, we've got we're gonna have a couple of fun years here.
8: Yeah did you did you happen to see Kajani Wright, uh, big kid?
9: Uh no, I don't believe he was there. Okay,
8: yeah, he None. he works out at my gym, and uh, you know I know his trainer. So I, this guy is a monster.
9: I mean, you I know, I know I, he, you know he's like I, six eight beast right. i'm See, sure you've I, seen him yeah. i've seen him God, was he, I saw, i've seen him at usa basketball before yeah i, I do go to a lot of those events because i live in denver and they're in colorado springs it uh you know what's great about the the events uh with usa basketball is they bring in a ton of them and so it's a, it's a great opportunity for me to get ahead and kind of like put the you know face with the name it's not as like comprehensive you know valuations as it is like for the guys that, in their draft year uh but yeah i know i've seen them i would have to go back to my notes and kind of refresh my memory a little bit though yeah
8: Anyways, all right. Hey, Matt, a great stuff. And uh, check out his website, Babcock Hoops. Uh, I'm sure you'll have another mock draft right before the draft as well. And uh, Matt, thanks a lot. Hey, Nate, congrats on your success.
9: No, thanks so much. Yeah, we're, we're going to be releasing a new uh, mock draft on Monday. And then also uh, I'm doing some draft coverage for CBS Sports HQ and BasketballNews.com, which is a, a new release site. So yeah, check, check out our stuff.
8: Nice. All right, Matt, thanks a lot, man. And uh, keep up the good work.
9: Hey, thanks a lot. Take care.
5: In winter's favorite town, Park City, Utah. Adventure is right outside your door. Every turn leads to excitement. And the scenery isn't the only thing that will take your breath away. Here, the memories never melt. (laughs) Discover why Park City, Utah is winter's favorite town. Learn how to visit safely at visitparkcity.com. In winter's favorite town, Park City, Utah Adventure is right outside your door. Every turn leads to excitement. And the scenery isn't the only thing that will take your breath away. Here, the memories never melt. (laughs) Discover why Park City, Utah is winter's favorite town. Learn how to visit safely at
3: visitparkcity.com.